We're going to start a new series today, and we are looking at what does it mean uh, to be a disciple. And it's not just um, being a Christian, but it is being a disciple, being a follower. Uh, many times uh, we, uh, we think that it's good enough uh, to believe in Jesus, and we call ourselves uh, Christians, but I think we miss what it really means, and that is that God did not call Christians. Um, Jesus didn't call us just to um, uh, believe in him in our term of belief, what we think it is. He did call us to believe, but the belief that he was talking about was a discipleship belief. Um, it was a following, and I think that the difference is that discipleship is meant to be uh, not something that is a fan, and we've talked about this before, that God wants more than fans. Um, he had a lot of fans when he walked uh, the earth. When Jesus uh, walked, we saw multitudes. They loved him because he did great works and did awesome things, and he was a good speaker, and, and man, they loved his stories, and they loved all the things that he did, but they were really just fans. Um, they, they worshiped him, but when it came down to the crux, we know that they also cried out, crucify him, because they were not disciples, they were fans. Um, God is looking to, to separate those that are just fans from those that are truly disciples. And so we're going to talk about this. What is discipleship? And, and what we're going to look at is the very words of Jesus. What did, how did Jesus describe a disciple? Um, because here's the crux of it. If you're not a disciple, you're not a Christian. Now, I know that goes against what we've thought because sometimes we've put disciple as kind of, disciple is kind of a Christian that just kind of goes the extra mile. I'm a Christian, but I may not be a disciple. You know what? You have deceived yourself. If you're not a disciple, you're right. A disciple is that person that goes the extra mile, but without being a disciple, you're not a Christian. You may call yourself a Christian, you may tell other people you're a Christian, but a disciple is the one who is truly connected to God and who is going to receive the promise of God of salvation, of redemption, of adoption into the family. And that does not happen without a commitment to follow Christ and become a disciple. Because throughout his ministry, Jesus called people out to follow. And so we're going to look at his words and how he uh, uh, described and encouraged and uh, defined discipleship. And so most of these, uh, we're going to be looking through the book of Mark uh, over the next uh, few uh, weeks. And uh, so we're going to be looking at a few things. And just to let you know, um, I'll give them to you ahead of time. We're going to look at five things that Jesus himself said it takes to be a disciple, okay? There's five things about discipleship that we're going to look at, and um, they are what is going to define our walk as a Christian. 
Um, or if we have not, hopefully it's going to call you into a new walk as a Christian, a true Christian. Um, there, there are people that go to church all their life and have never become Christians. That's why Jesus himself said there are going to be people that stand before me on the last day. And unbelievably, they're going to say, Jesus, we're so glad you're here. And Jesus is going to say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. And they're going to say, what do you mean you don't know me? We've done all these things. We've believed in you, and, and we've gone to church, and we've done even great things, and we've even prayed to you. And he says, but I don't know you. You were not following me. Um, you might have done all those things, but he's going to say, go away from me. And that is going to be the saddest day. And so we need to be people that, that have not just sat here all our lives, but we need to truly take the hard choice and look at our lives and say, God, will I make the choice? Maybe I've never done it. Maybe I've said a prayer. Maybe I've asked God to forgive me, but I've never become a disciple. And if I've never become a disciple, then I've never entered into the plan of God. And so we're going to look at, first of all, that Jesus talks about discipleship is necessary we're going to look at that that it's not optional it's not just a deeper part of being a christian it's not just a christian plus more intensity no discipleship is the only thing that's necessary Um, discipleship is necessary then we're going to look at the fact that discipleship is responsive okay jesus calls it uh, responsive there is an action to it Uh, We're also going to see that discipleship is costly. There is a cost. And if you have not paid a cost, then you haven't purchased the package. How many know you don't go into a store and just take it? There's a cost involved. And I think many times we as Christians, we think we've received it, but we never paid the cost. And there is a cost. Even though I know we understand it's a free gift, um, but there is a response and cost that we pay. Also, discipleship is corporate. And then finally, we're going to look at discipleship is missional. Um, it is an, something that we don't just do ourselves, but it's something that is outward looking. So um, we're going to start today with the first thing, that discipleship is necessary. It is necessary. Um, Jesus uh, does not just say, you know, be good, uh, kind of follow my example, See, many times we follow Jesus, but we're going to talk about this today. What are we following? Um, He doesn't ask us to follow his teachings, to follow uh, what he does, um, but there is a necessary discipleship, a necessary portion of discipleship um, that is uh, different from religion, from church, uh, from a philosophy that many of us have not stepped into. And, And so today we need to look at What is necessary to be a disciple? Um, What is absolutely necessary? So we're going to pick up, and like I said, it's going to be mostly in Mark. And so we're going to start in chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse uh, 14. So it says, Now after John was arrested... Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon 
and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. So here we see the very first call of discipleship. And of course, we see this, the, the, this beginning gathering of disciples, the, the, those who truly are going to follow him, believe in him, and become his disciples. But today we're really not going to look at the call yet, because before we look at the call to follow me, we need to look at the beginning portion of what he was saying. Why was he calling them? Why was he not just going out and preaching a message and, and changing people's life? Why would he call people to follow him? Um, why is that his purpose more than just preaching the good news? And because of that, we need to look back. And so we're going to look back at those verses right before he called them, um, that they are really the defining uh, portion of what it means to be a disciple. And if we go back, it says um, that he began to proclaim the gospel of God. So Jesus began to preach this gospel, and the gospel simply means the good news. There's a good news that Jesus came uh, to share, and it is because of the good news that he called disciples. In other words, here's the good news, and because of the good news, you need to follow me. Um, the response to the good news is follow me, okay? It says that this is what he said. Here's what the good news is. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So here's the gospel. The gospel is the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, therefore, Repent and believe. So let's look at this for a second. First of all, the necessary discipleship is that the time is fulfilled. So Jesus comes to them and says, time is fulfilled. What does he mean by the fact that time is fulfilled? What Jesus is simply saying, all of history, all of time is focused on one thing, me. When he says it's fulfilled, it says, I am here. So everything that has been going on in the world centers around me. I am the focus of all time, of all history, of, of everything that you do in your life is focused on me. So the good news and, and the call of discipleship, and it's not just for them because even though time was building up to Jesus, it is then leading down to Jesus. So we are on both sides of this peak. So it doesn't matter which side you're on, before Jesus came or after Jesus came, all of time is focusing on Jesus. He's saying all the days of your life, us today, is because of Jesus. You see, we think time is all about, I've got things to do, I've got things to accomplish, I've got work, I've got school, I've got things I want to do. And we have lost what Jesus says, that has nothing to do 
with any of your time. You are wasting all of your time. All of your time only has meaning when I am involved in it. Jesus said, time is fulfilled with me. You want your time to be worthwhile? Spend it with Jesus. All of our time needs to be centered around Jesus. Jesus is saying all history, all of life, everything you do, every hour, every minute is waiting for you to put Jesus in it. Jesus is the one who makes your time not wasted. Many times we think of things, oh, that's wasted time. You know, I could be doing something else. Jesus says, there's nothing that you do following me that is ever wasted. You might not get something done at home. You might not get something done that you wanted to do. But if you are following Jesus, time becomes fulfilled. You see, time finds value when Jesus is in it. You see, this is the good news, that your time, without him, your time is wasted. You see, without Jesus, everything you do when you die is gone. Everything you do without Jesus is time that is gone and can never be received again. Jesus is saying, do you not understand the focus of every minute of every hour of your day should be focused on Jesus? Not only does he say that time is fulfilled in him, but he said the kingdom of God is at hand. What does he mean the kingdom of God is at hand? He's saying, first of all, the kingdom of God is, is the plans of God, the promises of God, the blessings of God, everything that God has been telling us and offering us is, is found in Jesus. So every promise that God has made is only fulfilled in Jesus. It's not fulfilled in being religious. It's not fulfilled in doing good things. It's not, it was not fulfilled in the law. It's not fulfilled in, in following uh, the commandments. You see, the kingdom of God was only being prepared by those things. And so the same thing with us. If we are going to enter into the kingdom of God, in fact, the breaking of the curse of sin, you will not experience that if we are not following Christ. You see, everything that God wants to do is only going to happen for those that are following Christ, that are in Christ. Not that, not that just have an acknowledgement of Jesus. Yeah, I believe in you, Jesus. I acknowledge you, Jesus. I even say a prayer. But you see, it is, it is beginning to align ourselves and follow Jesus is when we come into the kingdom of God. And when he says the kingdom of God is at hand, he means that you need to understand that the kingdom of God is, is on its way. And it is only in me that you are going to escape the part of the kingdom that is the teardown. Because how many know that, that uh, uh, whenever you have a... a uh, uh, a new building coming in, the mall or, or a new restaurant, 
before they build it, they've got to they've tear everything else down. The old has to be taken away. The old has to be made new so that we can put up the brand new great thing that we've been looking forward to. And you see, if we do not begin to align ourselves with Christ, then there's coming a great destruction that is going to clear you away. Because if you are not following Christ, you're in the way. And there is coming the kingdom of God, which will not wait for you or me. It will only come uh, to our expense if we are not in Christ. Because the kingdom of God is in Jesus. So we need to ask ourselves, are we truly in Jesus? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. And, and so he makes these two declarations, which can be both exciting or they can be fearful because it's up to us what side of those declarations we are going to be on. And therefore, this is what he says. And this is a reiteration of what God told his children back in the Old Testament. God said, I am putting before you life and death, and I pray that you choose life. I want you to choose life. I'm not a God who wants you to choose death. I'm not a God that says that I'm going to trick you and, and, yeah, just make it, oh, sorry, ha, 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 you're dead. He does not take pleasure in that. God roots for us. Choose life, but you need to choose life because I've put before you life and death. Jesus now is saying the same thing. Time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. I want you to have this good news. So therefore, and here's the choice that Jesus said, and we read it. He said, therefore, repent and believe. So he's saying, what he's saying is because time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, there's no other choice. There is no other way to get out of the way of what God is going to do. This is an absolute truth with only one choice. There is only one choice. This is why discipleship is necessary and just little Christianity is not really a choice at all. But the one choice you have is to repent. Discipleship is a choice of repentance. This is what it is. This is the very definition. This is the very foundation of discipleship. The foundation of discipleship is repentance. Many times we think the foundation is just to believe, but when we say believe, we're really just meaning acknowledge him. Okay, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to believe in you. You know what? Therefore, I'm on your side. I'm on your side, Jesus. He's not looking for people to be on his side. You see, he doesn't need people to be on his side. We are the ones that need him. He doesn't need us. And so it is not the acknowledgement, it is repentance. Now, what is repentance? Repentance, many times we think of repentance as being sorry for what we did. And that's sort of true, but that's not what repentance is. Many times we think of repentance as saying, God, forgive me. God, I don't want to be punished for that. That's not repentance. Now, that might be one thing that happens along the way of repentance, but that's not repentance. 
Repentance is a very simple word that simply means to turn around. Okay, repentance is I'm going this way. Whoa, this is the wrong way. I need to go over here. That's repentance. Changing your direction. It is Repentance is getting in a new alignment from what you were. It, it is simply changing. Now, do you understand that, that I can be going the wrong way and say, oh, I need to go over here. And that has nothing to do with, oh, God, forgive me that I was going. Because you can be going, oh, God, I'm going in the wrong way. Please forgive me. That doesn't help you. What helps you is simply changing. God is looking for people who simply change, who are willing um, to begin to follow Jesus. And the changing of your direction is beginning to change direction into where Jesus is. Because to repent um, is to realize that you're going the wrong way. You see, repentance is not saying, it is not God saying, you know what? You guys are basically good, but you know what? We need to tweak some things because this is not going to work. Repentance and, and God's good news is not God saying, you know what? You're never going to make the team doing it this way. Let, let's work on this new drill. Okay, let's do it and let's tweak this. Okay, now you're better. That's not repentance. God is saying, you know what? You're no good at all. You are absolutely in the wrong direction. You're not going to make it at all. You don't need to tweak anything. You need to simply stop and go the other way. You need to just come to me because there is nothing that you're doing that is right. And remember, he's talking to people who are following the Ten Commandments, who have the laws, because the law is not the way to salvation. Now, we're not saying that the law is bad. We're not saying that you don't need to be good, but that is not the way. That is not going to uh, get us out of the way when God comes and brings the kingdom of God. You see, we need to understand it. It's, it's a very subtle difference. How many know that if you're going down um, uh, the street, there's maybe a 10-foot difference if you're on one side of the the, the dotted line rather than on the other side makes a big difference, doesn't it? Because you may be going in a certain direction. The direction and your intention may be good, but where you're at and the lane you're in makes all the difference, right? One keeps you safe and brings life. One can bring death and sorrow. And sometimes you say, but... What are you talking about? I'm going the right direction. I believe in Jesus. I'm even doing what he tells me to do. But you're in the wrong lane. I want you to think about that. As Christians, we have deceived ourselves. And it's, how many know that if you've driven, it's very easy to drift. And if there's not a lot of cars around, you don't even realize it. And yet you are in danger. You are in danger of losing your life because eventually you will crash. You will wreck. How many know it is so easy to drift in to the wrong 
direction and not know it. You see, that is why Jesus, even amongst the Pharisees, and they were so righteous, yet he said, the way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is not the law. I am the law. You can do all the law and do it right, and yet if you are not following Jesus, you're going the wrong way. And yet we go through our Christian routine, and we come to church, but yet, you know what? You're going the wrong way. Religion is not the right way. Church is not the right way. And not even Christianity is the right way. Jesus is the way. Have we totally surrendered our life to follow Jesus? Not our idea of Jesus, and not just his, well, I follow his teachings. That's good. But I'm talking about Jesus. Now, when you follow Jesus, you will do the law. You will do those things because that's what he's about. But our focus is not on those behaviors. It is about being about Jesus' business. It is about getting close to Jesus. The reason we come together as a church is not to, to do a church thing. It is because it is when we gather together that Jesus said, I'm in your midst, and we come together to learn about him, to get closer to him, like we sing that song, to be drawn nearer to him because it's about Jesus and it is in Jesus that we find the right way. I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is coming. This is what Jesus said. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is like two semis heading straight for you. You better get in the right lane. Because if we are not right up behind Jesus, we're going to be mowed over by the kingdom of God. I don't care what we think in our heart we are. It is only if we are next to Jesus, and when we see that thing coming, we better get right close to Jesus. I want to ask us, how close are we to Jesus? I think many of us are far behind him, and we're going the same direction, and we can see him up there, but we're drifting into the wrong lane. And that's the deceiving, subtle part that we think we're all right. And yet Jesus talks to Christians and says, repent. He was talking to his children, Israelites, repent. He wasn't talking to Gentiles. He wasn't talking to sinners. He was talking to the Christians and saying, you need to repent and believe. The belief that he was talking about is a belief that I believe that that truck is coming right at me. And if I believe that the kingdom of God is at hand, then I am going to get in the right lane. I am going to be so believing that I want to be behind the person who is going to get me through. You see, do we believe in that sense? Have we repented? The repentance is turning and getting behind him. And that means stopping some things that we're, maybe some of us are not in the lane, but we're right in the bumps, right? Da, 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 da. And God's trying to wake us up. Uh, you're going off the road. We need to repent repentance is saying, God, I do not trust in myself anymore. I'm going to stop following what I think is right. I'm going to stop following a set of rules. I'm going to stop following, you know, the things that I think I can squeeze in and make right. And then, and God, I'll give you your time, but I'm going to do this. You need to stop following that because we need to repent and believe. Now, here's the great thing. We use this 
this statement all the time, that God loves us just as we are. And that is true, but it's only partially true. I want to tell you that God loves you as you are is true, but many times when we say that and when we tell other people like that, that God loves you just as you are, we use it as, as kind of an excuse to, well, I'm just not perfect, so that's okay because God loves me as I am. And it is never meant to be an excuse um, to hold on to our unrighteousness, to hold on to those things that are really pushing us into the other lane. Because God loves you just as you are, but he loves you just as you are so that he can change you into what you are not. He will never leave you as you are. So I thank God he loves me as I am, but if I stay where I am, I will get run over by the kingdom of God. Because if he loves me the way I am, he expects me to then change lanes and come over next to him because that's the whole purpose why he loves us. You see, his love for us is meant to draw us closer to him. It is not to give us a safe, easy feeling to stay where we are. Oh, he loves me, so I can just feel content where I am. He is crying out. The Lord is shouting out to us, I love you, but you cannot stay there. I'm the one that's giving you a choice. I love you, but I've set before you life and death. Choose life. I love you, but there are going to be people that God loves that are mowed over and sent to hell because they chose not to receive that love by following him, by becoming a disciple. They only chose to be a Christian, to be a fan of Jesus, to be someone who seeks forgiveness, but they don't seek, seek to be like him. Many times we seek forgiveness, but we don't seek transformation. You see, God wants people to not seek to be forgiven, but to seek to be different. I don't want to just be forgiven. I don't want to be this person anymore. I'm in the wrong lane. I don't want to just be forgiven. I want to be changed to where I never have to ask for forgiveness again. That is discipleship, that I give up everything. I give up everything in this life to follow Jesus. If you have not done that, you're not really a Christian. We are not disciples, and we will find the, the consequence of that hypocrisy the same way that the Pharisees found it, by being put off by Christ, by being rejected and left out when the kingdom of God came and they missed it. Are we going to miss it because we're stuck in what we choose to say discipleship is? Or are we going to hear the words of Jesus, repent and believe? Repent and believe. See, so many people say, Jesus just came to love. Jesus just spoke a, a message of love. No, he spoke a message of repentance. Yes, I love you, but my love is to get you to change. I love you so much, I don't want to see you as roadkill on the side of the road. But if you won't change, just because I love you is not going to save you once the kingdom of God is here because the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore, repent. Here's the greatest thing about repentance. 
You see, the fact that God loves me just the way I am does not say anything about me. It says something about God. You see, him loving me just as I am is, is not something that I can say, ooh, how great, I'm, I'm good enough to receive God's love. No, it is a mercy that God would love me just the way I am. And because he loved me, he came and made a way for me so that I can repent. Repentance is not what you have to do. It's what you get to do. And sometimes we miss that. We think repentance is, oh man, I just need to repent. If I can repent hard enough, then I can be a disciple. Discipleship is not something that, that man, if you do it hard enough, then you get to, to, to be a disciple. Repentance is something that God lets you do. You see, left to our own self, we are never going to repent. Left to our own self, we are going to make the wrong choice every time. But thank God the Holy Spirit comes and knocks on our door, and he's the one that says, do you want to change? I'll make it possible for you to change lanes. And as we see the truck of the kingdom of God coming towards us, as eternity is heading quickly towards us, Thank God there's someone that reaches down and turns the wheel for us and brings us into the right lane. It is a gift of God that we get to repent. It is not something we have to do. Oh, great, I have to repent. Oh, thank God he has made it possible for me to repent. I can only change lanes because of what Jesus did. So therefore, let's hold on to Jesus. Let's stop holding on to our jobs. Let's stop holding on uh, to our activities. Let's stop holding on to our friends. Let's stop holding on to our pleasure and all the things that we hold on to. And we need to let that go and realize that, Jesus, I need to hold on to you. Because that's what true belief is. That is what believing and repentance is. We get to repent. Thank God I get to repent. And yet so many times it's like pulling teeth for people to come and seek God at the altars. If I put $1,000 on the altars, how hard would it be for me to say, come get this $1,000? I think you'd run up here. And yet when God says, draw near to God, would you come and get closer? Eh, I'm okay. I just sit back. You're crazy because you are passing up the call of God to enter into a new life. You see, that is what believe is. Believe is that I believe that eternity is so bad without Jesus that nothing I do is worth holding on to. You see, believe is not, yes, Jesus died for my sins and I'm good, I believe in him and so I'm a Christian. But yet, we only make room for him in small ways. That's not belief. When he says repent and believe, he's talking about the belief that shakes you to your core, that you have a godly fear that I choose Jesus, both out of love and out of a godly fear, that he would love me. I will choose him, but that the kingdom of God is coming to mow me down. I will choose Jesus. And thank God he gives me that opportunity. He invites me over. And so there's that combination of love and fear that come together in a sweet spot that is called belief. And it is a belief that motivates us to the core of our being in how we live, not in what we think. We have left God 
in our thoughts and we need to move him into our life. How we live, how we talk, how we uh, uh, treat others. This is what Jesus called us to do. This is what discipleship is. Repent and believe. You see, believing is following Jesus desperately. If we're going to define our Christianity, I would ask you, how desperate are you for Christ? If you're driving down the road and you see that light coming at you, you get pretty desperate, right? Have you ever fallen asleep and, and you just start to wake up and as you wake up, you see you're going off, oh, your heart, you, and then for the next 20 miles, your heart is just beating in there. God is asking, how come your heart doesn't beat for Jesus that way? We need to get desperate. And the reason is many of us have not woken up and realized that we're going off the road. We need to follow him with desperation. Repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you really believe the kingdom of God is at hand? Do you believe that time has been fulfilled? See, there's the problem. We believe in Jesus, but we don't really believe that the kingdom of God is at hand. I'll, I'll deal with that later. Jesus said, the time's fulfilled. The kingdom of God at hand. Therefore, repent and believe. Follow him with desperation. Discipleship is necessary. Jesus is saying, this is not something you can give or take. It's not something that you can, you know, discipleship is for other people that are really radical. I'm just a Christian. No. If you're not a disciple, you're not a Christian. You're playing a game. You're like the Pharisees. You're good people. There's nothing wrong with being good. But good is not what saves you. Good people die of heart disease. Good people die of cancer. Good people go to hell because of sin. It has nothing to do with being good. It's are you following Jesus? Are you following desperately? Are you repenting and believing and putting all your hope in the one that loves us just as we are? But he won't leave us there. Let's be disciples. It's necessary. There's no other choice. Let's bow our hearts.